1: Hello and welcome to Albion Analysis with me Chris Hall and him Pete George. Well we are recording a little bit earlier than usual this week. We're recording on Saturday night due to uh, some personal commitments on, on my part um, so I have to take the blame for uh, for making Pete join me on a Saturday evening when I'm sure he has much much better things to do. So unfortunately the defeat to Sheffield United is a little bit raw right at this moment in time. It's uh, not a good not the start we wanted to the carlos corbran regime um i have to say personally Pete, I you know i won't be drawing too many conclusions about corbran himself from that performance he's obviously only had two or three days on the training field with uh, with the players i don't think we can take what we saw on saturday as a reflection of what we can expect in the longer term from corbran's albion but nonetheless it just seemed to seemed like our season in a microcosm didn't it? conceded far too early on inside ten minutes um and then never really looked like getting back into the game, but the early goal is is what is what killed us, Pete again, amateur hour defending, and if we keep conceding goals inside the first fifteen minutes, you just you're not going to pick up as many points as you want to
0: I think it's the eighth game this season that we've been behind after 15 minutes, which, which is an awful record because you spend the whole of the, the whole of the game chasing. It's an uphill battle from there. Um, and it's just, I don't know whether it's lack of focus early on or maybe the players haven't been prepared enough about what they're about to face from the opposition. They don't know what the opposition strengths are going to be. So... We get punished early on whilst we're still trying to feel them out. But... Well,
1: it, it was an odd one, though, wasn't it? Because it was an odd goal because it's all come from Connor Townsend scuffing a clearance that he didn't even need to make. And I don't know whether to blame Connor for the dreadful clearance or whether to blame his teammates for not just somebody literally shouting the word time at him. It's just, it seems week in, week out. It just seems amateur hour stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it's, it was seemed to be panic, really, and just not wanting to get caught. In possession but I mean and then he was he was about three three yards too deep from the rest of the defensive line playing people on side and to be honest I think that's been a, a weakness of him since he's been at Albion that quite often he, he plays people on side because he's not in line with the, the defensive line um, I remember one from our season, our recent season in the Premier League against Villa at Villa Park, I think it was in the last couple of minutes we were leading 2-1 and then they play a kind of a long diagonal into the box, and Townsend's just about two yards deep in the rest of the line, he plays the man on side. He then heads it back across the box, and they, they equalise in the last minute. But I think, yeah, I think that's kind of been um, an issue of his: is that is that positioning early on and just getting in line with the rest of the defence and, and keeping that strong back line that can play people offside.
1: The funny thing about us, not in a ha ha sense, just in a in an interesting sense, is that. We actually looked pretty good defensively early season when we had a Jai in there. But it seems like since a got injured, it's just, it, it's, it's killed the season of pretty much everybody else in that defense. I think Townsend's looked dreadful since, uh, since a got injured. Uh, and, and early on in the season, he was, you, you highlighted the data on him, Pete. He was, he was a real bright spark. He was the one getting us out from the back. Furlong's season's been up and down, and we'll come to him in a minute. But I thought he was appalling at centre half today, in a defensive sense. I thought he got us out from the back well, and and I understood putting him in there because without Ajay, you need somebody with that pace. You need somebody who can carry the ball out of defence, and Furlong can give you that. But as an actual defender, I thought he was, I thought he was awful today. And then O'Shea's performances since um since Ajay got injured have been dreadful. And on the uh, on the whole. So of Bartley's, I actually thought, weirdly, he had a good game last week um, at Millwall up until the point where he got himself sent off. But it, i are mean, uh, not trying to sit here and be smart, Pete, but we said before the start of the season, the one defender you cannot get an injury to is Semih because you haven't got a replacement for him. This was always the danger going into the season with the three centre-halves that we went into the season with. We haven't sorted that out in in the window or in the freeze window either because... What you lose with a Jai is is pace, is mobility, is the ability to carry the ball out from the back. And no offense to Kelly or Peters, but they they, they do not resolve that problem. And we've just we've just been abject at the back ever since the moment that that Semi Jai pulled up against Wigan, aren't we? have not we?
0: Yeah, I mean, defensively, Jai offers you tons in the fact that he allows you to be able to play a higher line um, because you know that if a ball does get played long into the channel, then he's got the recovery pace to, to go and win it there. Um, we don't have another defender that has got that pace that can, can get to those balls that are played in behind the defense comfortably. I mean, we signed Martin Kelly as a, as a backup for a Jai and he's what? 35, 36, something like that. He's, he's never going to have the pace that a Jai does. And that's not a slight on his ability. It's just that he's not the kind of player that he's not a direct replacement for a Jai. Um,
1: you got you got to wonder what what we were thinking. I mean, we, we knew the squad was too old to start off with and we knew one of the big drawbacks of the squad was a lack of mobility. This is before the start of the season, Pete. And yet we we sign Yokoslu, Kelly, Peters. I mean, these are not mobile footballers, are they?
0: No, and it's something I highlighted in, in our recruitment plan that I made, that we need to decrease the average age of the squad because I think from memory, I think we had about the second or third oldest playing squad last season Um, which, I mean, especially last season, in the first half of the season under Ishmael, when we're trying to play high-pressing football, um, with plenty of energy. You don't want a squad that's old. We needed more energy and to be honest, I've I've not checked the numbers, but I would probably bet that so far this season, the playing squad's been a higher average age than it was last season and that was is just- that
1: reflected in our style of play, Pete? Because it, because because I mean, I'm sitting in the Brummy Road end today, watching that game, and uh, you know, we are honestly we, we we're pulling our hair out. Those of us who've who've, who've got some left, I've got to watch the Crown because I'm going all a little bit Zinedine Zidane on top, if I'm honest, and um, you know, all we're just going is forwards! Come on, get it. Show some energy because obviously Sheffield United have got a very tight shape. They're they're defence midfield forwards. There's not a lot of spaces in between the lines. We haven't got anybody who can run through them. We haven't got any energy through there. I mean, is it just we're just too old? And too immobile, and that's why what you what we sit and watch most weeks is pass, 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 pass. Oh, we've gone into the midfield. Now let's go back to the back four. Let's go across the back four to one fullback. Now let's go back across the the back four to another fullback. Let's be honest, that's what we're watching most uh, most weeks, and have been for most of the season, and and by the way, for most of last season as well, when the players kind of ran out of energy with with, with Val's uh, high high intensity style is is that down to the age of uh, age of the squad and the lack of mobility within it because teams now just basically go right if you go if you go to west brom and you keep or play west brom anywhere and you keep your lines pretty tight they have not got the mobility to trouble you in behind into those channels um they're not going to run through you so basically you just squeeze the space and all they're going to do is play pretty much in front of you with either their deep-lying midfielders or, the, or their defenders?
0: I think it's partly down to age and partly just lacking the kind of players that we need. Um, I think it was evident today, especially early on, that we wanted to uh, try and play out from the back rather than just go long into the striker. Um, but we just lack a midfielder that's really comfortable on the ball that can play forward. A lot of the time, it'll go into Livermore and and he's just not the player that can break the lines forward and, and progress the ball he he almost always turns and plays back to a defender or back to the full back or his midfield partner um
1: i didn't think he deserved the jeers he got though when he went off if i'm if i'm honest i didn't i whilst he wasn't progressive i didn't think i, I didn't think he did he just did what jake livermore does today
0: yeah exactly i mean he's he's never going to be the player to move the ball forward so he doesn't deserve to be booed for that um The issue there is that we didn't sign a player to do that, which I personally thought was pretty an obvious need for the squad. Um, and we didn't address it. I think in fairness, especially early on, uh, Phillips showed the most energy to, to get him behind. I mean, he had that one, that one through ball that made, I think it was Ben Osborne he was up against. He made him look slow. And I didn't think Phillips was the quickest of players anymore. Um, it's just a shame he messed up the, the final ball, but.
1: I thought he was decent today all, all the way around. I know for, I've said this on Twitter and I've had some people come back at me over it. So I know not everyone agrees. I thought he was decent. I thought he was all right when he went uh, to what I consider to be almost a centre-forward role in the second half as well.
0: Yeah, and he's he's just, he feels like one of those players that's just been around the club for too long. So that if he does do anything wrong, then it's it's highlighted more than it would be with a player that's kind of just, Joint. And that people
1: um, don't want to actually acknowledge when he does something right either.
0: Yeah, I think a, he's just kind of become a bit stale with a lot of fans, and it's just, it's just, yeah. I mean, people have lost lost faith in him, and they don't almost. I don't know. I think he's he's just kind of been around the club for too long as well. As, I mean, there is a few of them that you can say where it's like that, and it's kind of gone stale with the fans. They've not got the excitement for them anymore, and it would have probably been better for the club if they'd been moved on. And replaced, you know, a year ago, a couple of years ago or something. I think, yeah, it's just, especially with the decline that we've had, um, I think it's, it's quite easy to put the blame on the players that have been here for, for seven, eight years, whatever it is. So, yeah, I think, I think we just needed a bit more, um, squad rotation in past transfer windows
1: yeah and I have to say i mean i 'd like to point out I, I i'd largely you ask my dad here i I have not uh, he's he 's had a go at me for years for criticizing matt Phillips because my my opinion has often been that when the going gets tough, Matt Phillips hides underneath the table but i I actually think in the last few games I think he 's been about one of the only uh, only real positives i thought he was he was excellent at reading and I thought he was Okay today he was the best of what was a pretty pretty dreadful bunch if if truth be told and I, I mean that all stemmed from 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 the from the two goals Pete, which we obviously within twenty five minutes this game was stone dead let's be let 's be perfectly honest about uh, about that and I thought they were both poor goals, as you say Connor Townsend's got to carry a lot of the can for the for the first one, both with a dreadful clearance and then positionally playing people on side and i thought with the with the second one there's two there's two facets to it for me one is that as Ndai runs towards goal take him out just bring him down why let him run go out make a challenge make the kind of challenge that you might take the ball but if you don't you are definitely going to take the man and just make sure that he does not go any further but even so first of all i think it's criminal that we let him run that far and i don't think we i don't think we're streetwise enough um, and there was an incident in the second half where Ryan Brewster pulled his hamstring and went and went to ground, and Taylor Gardner Hickman went to put the ball out for uh, to, so that he could receive treatment. Unfortunately, the Albion fans screamed at him not to, and he didn't. He played on, and we nearly scored. But I just wonder where th- this team is not nasty enough. There's no streetwise element to it, and th- we don't take players out in situations like that when we absolutely should. We don't take the booking when we should, um, and you know. We do nicey, nice things like put the ball out of play. I don't want to see that. We're bottom of the league. Let's be clear about this. We're bottom of the league. There is no room for niceties. And then the other thing on that goal, and I'll just bundle these together and let you have your say on on the pair of them, Pete, as as a whole, is I've got to hold the goalkeeper culpable to a, to a degree, because if it was button, we'd be, we'd be talking about this. And I don't, I don't see why Palmer should get a pass either, because he's made a horror show of an error at Millwall. And when that ball falls to Ollie McBurney, there's a moment where Ollie McBurney is shifting that ball onto his right foot. He. The, I'm not sure. I can't remember who the defender was in front of him. I, I assume from his position on the pitch it was Furlong. But the, there's only one thing that McBurney is going to do there. He's going to come inside and he's going to drop it towards the far corner. Why Palmer's not shifting his feet to get across his goal so that he doesn't get beaten at his far post is beyond me. And I think look he's been better than button but by how much like he's still he's still a liability to this side so I mean they're they're my two points Pete that we're not streetwise enough and and that this goalkeeper is less of a liability than button but that doesn't mean he's not a liability
0: yeah um absolutely really I mean when you I mean for me all the time but especially when you bottom the league in the relegations and you've got to have fight and you've got to be nasty at times and and commit those fouls to stop counter attacks. I think under Ishmael, it was a part of the part of the mentality that we were always going to be quite open for counter attacks, but we try and stop them. Whether that be you win the ball high up, if not, then you you make the foul on the halfway line, and if you need to take a booking, you take a booking. You just stop that dangerous attack from coming. Um, and yeah, regarding Palmer, um, he probably should have done better for the, the second one. It was in the bottom corner, but like you say, it was. It was only ever going to go in that one place. So can he get across earlier? Um, maybe, but it's again, it's the pattern of the season. We can see it early, and we can see goals from from outside the box. And it's just—I
1: mean, how many of that exact goal have we scored? Uh, have we conceded that whipped shot into the far corner?
0: Yeah, and I, I, I imagine teams are when they're preparing to face us, doing their analysis of us. They're probably highlighting that we seem to be scoring so many goals from that. That kind of shot, that kind of area. So, if they do get a chance to, to shoot from just outside the box and take it, because our keepers seem to be, seem to be struggling with it. I mean, especially Button. And I mean, hopefully it isn't, but it's looking like that pattern's continue under, continuing under Palmer. I mean, in his defense, he has had, I think at Reading, he was, I think it was Reading, where he's excellent. So, he has had good games, but I mean, yeah, you want, you want your keeper to be, to be stopping, those kind of shots, at least you know half the time and and just keeping you in the game there, but I would say he's he's been an upgrade on button so far
1: no, I agree with that and I'm, I'm not saying he hasn't been I'm just just saying by uh, i suppose by how much is my, is my question before we move to the other end of the field where i have um yet more criticism for a, for another person um who I think a lot of Albion fans have criticism for in in, in this sense um let's just briefly touch on 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 a small positive pete and I, i i have to say i did think at times we looked a bit more of a threat from set pieces today as i said with the caveat at the start Corbrand's only had a few days to work with this team so you can't expect miracles in two three training sessions which is all that all that we've had but i think i think you can see quite early on we we talked about it on the last pod that we believe set pieces will be a big part of what Corbran does with us. I think you're already starting to see that, aren't you?
0: Yeah, it was, I mean, the long throw, using that again, um, and it looked like there was a couple of t- times where it was flicked on, which is a promising start. Obviously, you're not going to score a goal or create a chance from every throw, but if you can get it in there consistently and win that first header, then it just it can cause chaos. And last season, when we had Sheffield United at home, we we scored from a long throw, and that wasn't even us winning the, Scored um, from two, I think. score from two, yeah, and I think the first one was an own goal as well. Um, so it's just about causing that chaos and and unsettling the defense from it. And yeah, even if you don't score every week from it, it's, I personally think it's a great great weapon to have because it gets the ball in there, it gets bodies in there, and it causes chaos. Um,
1: Problem is though, we haven't got we haven't really got any big center halves. I mean, Dara's the biggest one that we've got, but then you know we, we're always. Playing full backs at center half, furlong Peters Kelly Townsend, you know, um I mean say it quietly, Pete, but if we are going to use that as a weapon you you probably need Bartley back in there when he's he's obviously back from suspension uh, now,
0: yeah, Bartley was always a useful target in there just to win the flick on I don't think he attacks headers very well, but he he flicks him on quite nicely, so he's always a useful target to have there it's just is that a is he a net positive of bringing that to the team? from what he offers defensively and on the ball. Um, Well,
1: is anyone a net positive in our defense?
0: That is, that is true. Um, Yeah. I mean, last year it worked, it worked nicely with the three centre-halves that we were playing in when we were, for most of the season, that was with three proper, you know, six foot plus centre-halves that would be good in the air and a threat. So yeah, hopefully there's, there's work being done on that. And I mean, at the minute, I couldn't care less if we, we didn't score any other goals apart from set pieces, but it kept us up and pushed us up the table a bit. So, yeah, hopefully the work's being done there and we'll see some success in in the next few weeks.
1: I mean, Furlong, look, it was a, was obviously a positive with those, those throw-ins. I thought the way he carried the ball out of defence and, uh, and as you say, that link-up with Matt Phillips was important in the first half. I think defensively, though, he really struggled with his new position, didn't he? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, because he I'd obviously got that. moved
1: back to full-back at half-time, didn't
0: he? Yeah. And, it, I mean, it was quite interesting with the with the data. If you look at average positions, it, it almost looks like a back four because Furlong's that high. Um, he's actually level with Townsend and then Peters and O'Shea are like the centre-backs. Obviously, that's considering what they've done with their passes. So it's kind of the on-the-ball shape. Um, we're almost like a four with Phillips playing as a a winger. Um but then when we drop back into the defensive shape, it was obviously a back five, and and yeah, I think for I'll probably struggles defensively. Um, it could be a useful tactic to have against teams that maybe aren't as good as Sheffield United, where you can commit that extra man forward. But um, if you want to be solid defensively, I'm, I'm not I'm not sure I'm for long at centre back.
1: No, neither am I. And whilst we're on the subject of things we're not sure about, I don't think I've ever been sure about Carlin Grant as a number nine, Pete. And to say that that opinion was probably double underlined today would be an understatement. Carlin Grant's data, um, the most telling data, 29 touches of the football in 90 minutes. To put that in perspective, that's 20 less than the next lowest outfield player who completed 90 minutes which was one of the Sheffield United center halves that's dreadful that's really really awful i just i i've got a little bit of sympathy for carlin grant because i recognize the fact that he's not playing in his position he is he he's better as a left-sided player coming in off uh, coming in off that left but that being said if you are going to be put into the middle of, into the number nine position. Do it manfully. He wasn't coming to, uh, coming to short for balls when, when they could be played into his feet. He was just waiting for them. He wasn't challenging defenders. And you, you know, I realize he is not the best in the air, but you can still, you can still disrupt defenders but Carlin grant i mean he his his aerial statistics are just they're truly truly awful they're, you know we we spoke about this with brandon thomas asante when he came into the, when he came into the side and it's Carlin grant just wins next to no aerials at all it it's it's awful you know he's he's winning what one an average of one point one per game. He's a centre forward who's playing up on his own as as a number nine. He's got to be doing more than that. He's got he's got to be doing he's he's got to try and disrupt the, the 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 opposition defenders. He's and he just he just doesn't offer anything for me, Pete. And I find it really frustrating. And what I find more frustrating, and as I say, as I said at the top. Not going to get on too much at Carlos Corbran because it's his first game. He's had a couple of days to look at the players. But how he needed 80 minutes today to bring Brandon Thomas Asante on, I will never know. And how he thinks that Carlin Grant is worthy of completing the 90, I will also never know. Um, You know, to just slightly devil's advocate myself. Some of the best chances did fall to Carlin Grant. He, he went through for one, which he's got a hit with his left and he's tried to stab with his right and the goalkeeper saved it. He's had another one, which is a brilliant whip cross in the second half from Matt Phillips, which somehow he's managed to jump over the ball. But that's Carlin Grant at the moment. He gets into those positions. He's never, ever, ever going to finish them because the guy's just abject in front of goal. He doesn't, the ball doesn't stick with him up front and. I, personally, Pete, I think he's a waste of a shirt at the moment.
0: I think his best attributes when playing as a striker is just the fact that he does quite often get into good goal scoring positions. Um, but the fact that he offers very little other than that, he is almost not worth playing unless you're in a side that's going to dominate possession and have the ball in the final third a lot, because then he probably will get get chances and put some of them put some of them away. If you're a side that's going to struggle to get up the pitch and you need him to do the physical work and link up play, then he's not your man. So, well, I mean, I think... Also,
1: if you're a team that's going to play with an awful lot of width, which we, which is what we do, a lot of our attacking comes down the flanks. The way Grant put, attacks balls into the middle isn't good enough. He's not, he's not the man for that. And Brandon Thomas Asante isn't perfect at that, not by any stretch, by the way, but he's better than Grant.
0: Yeah, and I think Asante offers... Thomas Asante offers quite um he also gets into good goal scoring positions and gets shots off in them but he offers more in terms of he's going to run in behind and he's going to challenge physically he might not be technically as good as grant um but i think he offers more energy and he is more likely to just get a bit of luck fall his way because he puts he puts the effort in where he might end up with a bit of luck and even if even if it is that then you know I'll take a bit of luck and a good chance from that.
1: God loves a trier, I think is the phrase you're looking for there, Pete.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, if you put the effort in, then one, it could just fall your way. But if, you, if you're if you not going to put the effort in, then it's obviously not. So I think if we're dominating games and having the ball in the final third, then yeah, Grant will score your goals. But if you're struggling in games like we have been recently in you bottom of the table, I'm not sure he's going to be the one to, to grab you a random goal.
1: He doesn't seem a lion heart either, does he? You know what I mean. I mean, you you need you need players, you need players you go in the trenches with at this uh, at this point. And I, I look through this Albion squad, and I don't mean to be, I don't mean to be nasty to uh, to them, but I'm sorry, guys. The evidence is there; it's screaming you in the face. I look through this Albion squad, and I think, who would I go into battle with? Jed Wallace all day long. Brandon Thomas Asante all day long maybe even taylor gardner hickman but he's just a little bit green around the gills some of the stuff he does like you know getting get his pocket picked in the middle of the park in the first half was uh, was a, was, a, was a, or maybe it's start of the second half was a little bit criminal um you know but there's no, there's no lack of effort there from him. Jason Molumby, another one that I would say, and just a word on him because I thought he really impacted the game off the bench. Um, four shots as well in, in the game more than anybody else. And he didn't come on till the 57th minute. Okay. You know, taking shots from long range isn't necessarily the most high percentage way to score goals, but I'll tell you what, two of them were really, really good efforts. And it was like nice to see somebody actually have a blooming shot on goal, to be honest with you, because we were toothless in the first half. So, you know, so I got, I've got faith in in people like that, but there's a lot of them, you know, that I I just think look like the, the They they wave the white flag. Grant in particular is is one of those. I would have said it about Phillips a few weeks ago, but I think he's actually stepped up to the party. One of them that I will say it about, and I, I don't like to say it, but. I feel like Dara O'Shea looks for excuses elsewhere. I, I I thought the way against Bristol City that he almost tried to get himself sent off in the last minute when he leapt into a challenge just out of frustration. When I see a player like do that, I think you don't understand what commitment is you, because you're letting everybody down by doing that. You're not showing that you care by going and trying to kick somebody in injury time of a game you're losing 2-0. You're just being an idiot. And... I've been disappointed with with, uh, people keep talking about how Dara's potentially a future captain. Not for me at this moment in time. I think he's, I think he's too busy looking at, looking at other people. There's just, there's not enough of them, Pete, that I I feel that, that can look in the mirror and go, I'm up for this fight. You know, we're, we're bottom of the championship. We, we, we are a bunch of highly paid footballers on, you know, this is the fifth highest wage bill in the championship I, I don't know how many of them have got the stomach for this for this battle, and that's worrying because as we've seen before with your big clubs like Sunderlands, your Wolves, your Sheffield Wednesdays, you, you know it, your teams that you wouldn't expect to go down, having not having the stomach for the fight gets you relegated.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I wouldn't disagree with you that there's a lot that that don't have the fight. But I think one that maybe goes under the radar because of his just demeanour and his size is Diangana. I think he does. Quite a lot of stuff defensively. Yeah, I um, agree. But because he's pretty slight and he just doesn't—I don't know—he doesn't stand out like people like Malumbi or Wallace do. But I think he does put the effort in, and and he does a lot defensively as well as. And he's going to be
1: comfortably the best player in League One.
0: <laughs> he definitely will be. Not that we'll be able to afford his wages when we drop down to there, but that's another question. Um, but yeah, I mean, he should be. He tends to be the best player on the pitch. In most games we play, it's just we need to get him involved more. We need to get him isolated against a fallback. Um, I think.
1: Does it annoy you when people say, "How's he been? Been one of our best players when he's got zero goals and zero, zero assists?" Because I mean, surely a lot of that's not, not not really his fault.
0: No, I mean, not quite zero, but he got that one against Blackburn, didn't he? That was pretty lucky. But apologies, had...
1: yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. I think he's
0: had two assists this season, so.
1: And I think he's got two goals, is it? Because did he score against Hull as well?
0: Did he get one against Hull? I can't remember. But I'm pretty sure he's got two assists or three assists. So it's not awful, but he's not at the heights in terms of his impact, his goals and assists impact as he was under Billich. But, I mean, he's good on the ball. I think we just need to get him isolated against fullbacks more and let him take him on and then create chances from there. Quite a lot of time he's spending drifting into the middle getting involved in busy areas there, but that's you know, that's probably from the lack of a a real number ten that's comfortable there like Pereira was in that season where Dion Garner could operate more wide and get isolated against the full a bit more. Um so again that's coming back to the, just the the makeup of the squad and the recruitment that we did in the summer, and
1: well, let's talk about that, Pete, because this is something I wanted to talk about because we, we we appeared to have a bit more of a front two um, second half, and certainly later in in the game today. Obviously, we we haven't got a number ten. We know that is getting somebody much, much, much closer to the main striker, a potential solution to that. Is that something you think Corbrand will do a little bit more? Because it was it was Matt Phillips in that role and he, he looked really quite alongside Karl and Grant for much of that second half.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a potential move, isn't it? It's a different change a change of shape. Um yeah, I mean Grant gets isolated quite easily when we're not dominating the game like we've mentioned. So having someone close to him and that can work with him and probably do some some of the work up there to help him out is, it's probably not going to be a bad thing. Um, I think in the next, I think what is was it? Three games that we've got until the world cup break, I think.
1: Yeah. Blackpool at home, QPR away and then Stoke at home.
0: Yeah. I think those three games are probably going to be, we're probably going to be experimenting with a few things um, just to see what works. And then, and then we've got a bit of time to actually put the work in on the training ground to, to really um, kind of perfect whatever shape we go with. I'm not going to take too much from the next three games in terms of the results that we get. I think it'll be interesting how we play um and what kind of shape and and how we're looking to create chances and also how we're looking to to settle into a defence. Um but yeah I'm, personally I'm not going to be on the back of Cobran no matter what what the three results are because it is going to take a bit of time and we've seen um under the last few managers that maybe this squad isn't as good as a squad as it looks on paper with the, the if you look at the a list of the names that we've got in the squad then it it probably looks a lot better than it does than they do playing as a as a team um, people
1: get fooled by seeing Wallace Swift and Dean Garner don't they? But there's you no see. there's no spine to the team, is there? There's no centre halves. There's no there's n- there's no mid dynamic midfielders, and there's no nine, and there's no goalkeeper that's worthy of the name either. I mean, geez, if you if you if you basically go through the, 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 the straight through the middle of the side and pretty much write it off, which you can do with us, does it really matter that you've got some nice talent in wide areas?
0: Well, hopefully, when DK is back, then.
1: But that's, that's something it. in the spine of the team, isn't it? And same with the yeah. giant.
0: Yeah, I mean they're both. To be fair, they're probably two of the biggest injuries we could have got. But again, is it's no excuse, especially with the DK one. We got the transfer window was still open when that happened. We still got plenty of time to to kind of bring in a replacement. Um,
1: well, it, it it was when it was when Ajay got injured, wasn't it?
0: Was it still open then?
1: I'm not sure. I'm not. Uh, I, I I I I genuinely question myself when I when I said that. But he, but even even so. I mean, whether it was or whether it wasn't, Pete, does it really matter? Is, is, are you just literally being so? Su- it's it, 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 really playing fast and loose with your season going into the going into the season with three centre halves. We we said this that it was like we kept saying all the way through all the way through August. We surely can't run with three centre backs. We can't run with three centre backs. Oh wait, we're going to try and run with three centre backs
0: until we realise that we can't and we bring in two.
1: But we bring in two full-backs to play at
0: centre-back. Well, yeah, they're not even centre-backs, are they? They're full-backs by trade. But um, And that's kind of what we were left with when we left it too late. Transfer window shuts and and your options are massively limited after that. So, yeah, I mean, we say it a lot, but the structure of the club is... You can is... only
1: go for players that live near Steve Bruce. Well, it's like reason. it's like it's like you know on deliveroo when you go on and it tells you what radius they deliver to. It's a bit like that but with Bruce he's got a sort of like a radius of uh, of of where if they have to live or be acquainted to him in a certain radius for him to sign them.
0: can not live more than three houses down from Bruce. But yeah I mean it's the structure isn't it we we lack of we seem to massively lack any recruitment work I mean, we've got people in that department, obviously with Ian Ps and his son, um, but they just whoopee, yeah, don't seem to do anything, do they? But no. you know, it's it's structure over manager for me. Um, that needs to get sorted for a manager really stands a chance with this team.
1: No, I absolutely agree, and that and and that's the concern, isn't it? That. It it is getting worse now. I mean, as you, as you mentioned before, we are bottom now. Huddersfield have have won on Saturday, which means that we've that we we fall to the bottom of the championship table. And it, to be honest, it's a little bit worse than that because Huddersfield have got one game in hand on us, and Coventry have got two games in hand on us. So we're not even we're not just bottom. If it, if those teams pick up anything in their games in hand, we could genuinely be cut adrift by the time the the World Cup comes around. You know, you start getting into a situation where you need to win two, three games just to make up ground on the teams above you. And you're in big, big bother. And that's that's the situation we find ourselves in. And I have to say, Pete, what's really worrying me? I'm not saying that the Steve Bruce situation early on in the season was necessarily working, but I don't think we were miles off. We were drawing an awful lot of games. We were in, a, I think we're at one point after eight games, I think we're in a situation where we've drawn six, won one, lost one. And at no point under Bruce did we ever lose a game by more than a single goal. And then I'm looking at what we've done now, and it's not a knock at Richard, not not a knock at Richard Beale at all, or Corbran, because as I said on the last pod, I've got a lot of time for the job Richard Beale did, but and he got us a win away at Reading, which was a massive result. But equally, in the last few games, we have lost the last three on the spin. And we've lost two of them by two clear goals, which is something we hadn't done all season. And now we've lost, uh, we've lost three games in a, in a row and two of them by two clear goals. And that's what really scares me is that earlier in the season, I was genuinely confident that with this things would get better because I felt like we were in games. We, we, it was small margins. It was little things that, that were fixable that we just needed to stop either letting in that silly goal or taking the chances when they came our way now I'm seeing us lose games in a definitive sense. I, we, we are losing because we weren't good enough to get a result earlier in the season. I would say we were, we were either losing in up until the point where it really started to fall apart, which I would say was around Preston, probably Um, Birmingham was a bit the beginning of the end, but Preston was real, real nail in the coffin. And, I, I think, I think, but I think once when, when you look at the first sort of like eight nine games, you'd say we were largely in in most of those. We didn't get the results we wanted, but you'd believe that it would turn if you if you sit down and watch the Bristol City and Sheffield United games, as most Albion fans have done, and most neutrals probably haven't, which is why most Albion fans say we're in big big trouble, and most neutrals say oh Albion won't go down. You sit and watch Bristol City, Sheffield United, and you tell me that's not a team that looks destined for League One because we didn't just lose those games. We deserved to lose them and we were never in either of them. And that's a concern because I couldn't say, I could say happily in the first nine games, we were in every game. We're not in games now.
0: Earlier in the season, the issue was that we conceded in first and early on way too much. If we had managed to cut that out, then I'd have been confident that we could have won a few of those games. I mean, even just Watford, we conceded first, didn't we, from that? Was it Ishmael Assar, a long shot? Um, if we hadn't conceded that, we'd have won that game comfortably. Um, and like I say, I think it's now eight games that we've conceded within the first 15 minutes. If we'd cut that, down, cut that out earlier in the season, then I really don't think we'd be anywhere near the bottom three at the minute. Um, but now it seems to be just a a losing mentality almost. It becomes a habit, doesn't it? And the confidence drains from players and Corbran has got to get that confidence back and maybe it'll happen after... I think the World Cup break is a massive opportunity to do that because you almost need to see it as another season and just start from scratch.
1: Um, I mean, I heard Ashley Williams on, um, uh, in fact, it was on match of the day too. Um, and he was talking about Leeds actually being in a really bad run of form. And he, he said for him, what you need to do is almost park the bus, get a clean sheet. And, and that almost creates a reset a little bit for everybody. What I find funny is that's exactly what Bruce did against Luton. And he still lost his job afterwards.
0: Yeah. I, I do agree with that to be honest because you just need something to stop the run of losses and bad games if that's a nil nil and the worst most boring game we've ever seen then so be it just stop that and then build from there and because i do think at the minute we just i think confidence is gone um and it's just the mentality that we're going to lose um and that needs to be stopped somehow so hopefully maybe that's a a nil nil, or maybe it happens in the World Cup break, and we can just kind of reset from there and and start again in December, like it is a new season. And I mean, obviously we've got ground to make up, but if we can start from there and put a run of run of wins together or a run of results um, tight enough at the back, then then I mean, we can still easily climb out of the relegation zone. The worry is, is that this. And, rock and let's be
1: clear, I think. We're getting to a point now where that is the only ambition, isn't it? Because people keep looking at how many points are left. Can we push on? Can we get on towards the playoffs? Forget, forget that. Staying up—that's we're, we're bottom of the league after 17 games, and we could genuinely be more than a win away from uh, from anybody if Huddersfield and Coventry win their games in hand. Staying up is the only only aim at this point, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. We need to get out of the relegation zone. And away from it, and then we can start to think about: Is there still a chance to to make the playoffs? As we you can't think about the chance to make the make the playoffs when you're bottom of the league, and especially when teams around you got games in hand. Um, we've got to climb out of there, and that's got to be the goal. And even if you play like a team that is desperate to avoid relegation, shutting up shop and getting those clean sheets, and uh, maybe just get a point away from home, and you know, get lucky if you nick a win. I know we've got a good squad. Um, but it's clearly not playing as a team, hence why we're bottom of the league. So, yeah, I mean, if we play like we did under Pulis in the Premier League, and just defend our goal, make sure we don't concede, as you you know the the cliche, if you don't don't concede, you can't lose. So we need to climb out of the relegation zone. That's the goal um, at the minute is just to stay up. So I'm sure Corbrand knows that.
1: And he's, he he has successfully stayed up with results late in the season. You know, obviously his first season at Huddersfield didn't go as well as it might. But I have to say there was a point in that season where I thought Huddersfield are dead in the water. And 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 then he managed to get quite a few results out of them late on in the season. And that's got to be a big plus.
0: Yeah. And in um, last season, when they reached the player final, they went on a really good run of games towards the end of the season. So even if he, well... I mean, he, he won't need a run as much as that to get us away from relegation trouble. But, you know, if he can, it's a promising sign that they did go on that run because it's, you know, it, it could be linked back to something that Carlos is doing in the changing rooms or on the training pitch that it keeps that confidence high, keeps the winning mentality going. And um, it seems
1: his... when he gets a team on a roll, it it does gain momentum, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what I'm hoping for that, he had a big role to play in that because if he can do that with us, then then we should be able to move away from the relegation zone. But yeah, I mean, it, at the minute, it's still a hope, isn't it? There's no guarantees that we we stay up,
1: of course. And 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 obviously as well, Pete, that the concerns go way beyond the football pitch. Um, rumors in the Daily Mail. Uh, on, I think it was Friday, uh, that we would be looking to take out a somewhere between 15 and 25 million pound loan from a company that has lent in the past to Burnley, Southampton, and Bournemouth. And it would be a loan taken at an, at an interest rate of about 10%. Now, whilst uh, so that to give Corbram money to spend in January. Now, whilst some people might be excited about the idea of funds being available in January, I have to say, and by the way we'd like to say this is i've only seen this reported in the daily mail and when uh, this is not a disrespect to the daily mail but when i see it just reported by one publication uh, i do always take it with just a bit of a pinch of salt so we don't know how much truth uh, there is in this but i would be very concerned if that's what we're looking to do don't get me wrong yeah obviously we need we we need reinforcements from from somewhere if we're going to stay in this league because we 're desperate at the moment we as I say no center halves no box to box midfielders no, no no center forward you, you we need something but equally we we can't spend more even further beyond our means than we already are i I, I do think when the parachute payments go away at the end of this season whatever division we 're in there will be a deficit between what we're paying out and what we've got coming in which is a bit of a concern but if on top of that you've borrowed 15 to 25 million pounds I mean first of all you've got the question what are you going to borrow that against because you've got to give them something as a guarantee now realistically probably the most valuable thing we have is the training ground so you would imagine that that is probably going to be the collateral in terms of in terms of that loan, I don't know that for sure. I'm just literally two and two, and I'm trying to make four. I might be making five, six, seven, eight. Who knows? But if we're taking out further loans when we when we already look to be in a situation where we are we're we, we're in a worrying financial situation, then you know, you've, you've got to, you've got to worry, Pete, you've got to worry about the, the long-term, the long-term future of, of, of our football club. And look, going down to league one would be a disaster, not, for on the pitch reasons i'm kind of getting beyond the point of being worried about this football club for on the pitch reasons uh, on the pitch reasons but look we we've got a fairly good idea what a lot of the players are earning at, at our football club we know we wouldn't be able to afford those wages in in um, in league 1 big wages in league 1 are like 8 grand a week we've got a lot of players on 2 3 uh, 2 3 times that probably some on four times that we wouldn't be able to uh, afford that so financially relegation to league 1 would be an absolute disaster i mean i think we would be uh, i i look administration is a word that gets thrown around but I, I i if we if we avoided administration if we went down to league 1 i think we'd have done very very well would be my assumption not based on any financial information just purely on me trying to tot up what i think we, we're paying out and what would be coming in. But equally, whatever division we're in, if you add repayments on a big loan like that, a, a repayments at a 10% interest rate as well, I mean, you're just creating another problem for yourself, aren't you? When we, we've already got enough problems.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know how we'd be able to afford two and a half million a year on the interest of the loan, let alone paying back the principal of the loan. It, if you're talking about twenty five million, then you know, two and a half a million a season. Um when we the only transfer fee we paid out this summer was, was the four hundred K or whatever it was for Tom, Brandon Thomas Asante. So um that would be my concern is I really can't see how we'd be able to afford that if we're not getting promoted to the Premier League, which at the minute we're very, very far away from even considering. Um
1: I I'd, I'd happily stake my reputation on we won't Pete. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um you know, I don't want to lose all my hope for the season, but I'm yeah, I've I'm definitely not betting on it. But the other issue is that if we're taking out that loan to fund a transfer window, then I mean, unless we just bring in loan players, we're we're adding long term commitments for more wages if we're signing people permanently. And then how are we gonna fund that in the future? Are gonna take out even more loans? Um because if you've got those commitments, you need you need the money from somewhere. And personally, I'd, it's a
1: snowball effect, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'd be concerned about having the money to repay the loan, let alone pay these extra wages that we we're going to be committing to if we are taking out a loan to to sign more players. Well, I let's think,
1: make this pretty explicit, Pete. If 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 you take a twenty-five million pound loan at ten percent, that's that 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 that's twenty-seven and a half million you've got to repay.
0: Well, yeah, and that would be repaid after one year, so. Um, it's probably going to be even more than that. I think, well, I know Mike Ashley, I think he loaned Newcastle about 30 million when they got relegated to the Championship. And then they managed to get a promotion. They spent quite big in the Championship, managed to get a promotion. And then he made them pay it back to him, despite being the owner. But, you know, it worked there. But they were, they had a good squad to start off with. Um, I think it was at the start of the window for the tr- summer transfer window, that they got that extra. I think it was 30 million quid that he. Oh, I think that's a reported figure. Um,
1: and as well. They had two more years parachute payments if they didn't get up.
0: Exactly. And it wasn't done halfway through a season where they're bottom of the league. Well, and, I mean, the other thing is it was the owner loaning them the money rather than a a separate entity that's going to charge you big high rates of interest um, and be and want something that's collateral if, if you do fail to make the repayment. So. You That's never a,
1: thought you'd sit here and and quote Mike Ashley as a, a, an example of better practice than what we're seeing at our own club.
0: To be honest, it's hard to to see much worse practice, isn't it? Um, yeah, the club is literally falling apart right in front of our, our eyes, and there's not a lot that we can do about it as fans.
1: No, well, I mean, and and that that brings, I suppose, that brings me on to on to my final point that I want to finish with with today is that. You know what can we do? Um, the, I, I I know on Twitter there are uh, there are some action groups springing up. I mean what what I would what I would say about about these sorts of things is, first of all, if the things that they're coming up with are peaceful, I should say, then look. First of all, let's not criticise anybody's approach to. Trying to find a way to get out uh, the fans' voice heard. Then, uh, you know, if as long as as long as things are well-meaning and peaceful, let's just you know, even if you don't necessarily agree with them, even if you don't want to necessarily get involved with them, let's not put people down for trying to do something. Because if people are trying to do something, then it's because they care. It's and not doing something doesn't mean you don't care. By the way but let's not criticize somebody for caring enough to do something as long as what they're doing is peaceful and is not going to cause harm or disrupt to you know in in a in a very negative sense so and and look if if you if you agree with them then show your support to them again you know keep it all very peaceful that's that's what i would say but i don't think there's anything wrong with people trying to get their voices heard i think is the point i'm tr- i'm trying to make I-, I see a lot of people saying things like yeah yeah this is happening but what can we do what can we do yeah but i mean what what are we going to do nothing sleepwalk into I- I- into a situation where we're in league one with debts beyond uh, imagining that we can't deal with if you want to try and get your voice heard as supporters I say all power to you because at the moment, I think the media, a lot of them outside of the obvious local journal, journos who I think do a great job. I think a lot of the what broader media are of the opinion, I just, You know, we saw Sheffield United and Forest in these sorts of positions last season and Albion will be absolutely fine. They'll go on a run at some point. They'll pull clear. We're so different to those two clubs. Those two clubs were in reasonably stable positions and had better more balanced squads than we have we we are we're teetering on the brink of being yet another cautionary tale so if you want to try and get that message out i say all power to you and i also say please just you know you don't necessarily have to be outwardly supportive of the people who want to even if you're one that doesn't but let's not let's not criticize them let's not splinter this fan base let's try and be together because in the end what we all want is a successful well run West Bromwich Albion. That is what if you're listening to this podcast, it means you care about the Albion. You care enough to listen to me and Pete for an hour each week. So you must care quite a lot. And if you care, then you want Albion to succeed. That's all anybody trying to do something does. And if as long as it's as long as it's peaceful, I say all power to them and even if you don't want to get involved, then just you know, at least don't be uh, deriding what they're trying to do.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, Like you say, the reason they're doing it is because they care. So, you know, let's not have that split as a fan base of, you know, digging these people out, even though what they're trying to do is, is help the club that we all support and love and unless we put together as a fan base, 150 million or whatever Lai would demand to sell the club, he probably want even more than that. he probably want to recoup his 200 million. Then I'm personally not sure how much we can do, but I mean, there's absolutely no harm in trying and coming together as a fan base and showing that there's we're not happy with how the club's being run um, and trying to get some reaction from Lai or, or, or Gourlay or someone that can have an impact. Um, so yeah, I agree with you that Let's support people that are trying to um create that action and and let's not just you know let's we' we're, we're all fighting for the same thing as our being supporters, aren't we so yeah let's not let's not, not, let's not fight
1: with each other,
0: yeah exactly there's enough to fight um about things that we're unhappy with within our club, so let's save the energy for that rather than fighting with each other when everyone's trying to push towards the same thing.
1: Absolutely. Well, look, I think there's no better place than to leave it there on 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 that, you know, unifying message. I think is is the best way that I would I would call it. So we'll leave it there. There's going to be a little bit of a difference to the schedule over the um over the next uh, week or so, um just largely due to uh, Pete, you have you've had the audacity to take a holiday, my friend. How very dare you? Uh, you're going to come back sun-kissed and I'm uh, and uh, and I'm going to be very very envious of the fact that you've been away whilst I'm I'm here in the pouring rain in the, in the West Midlands but you know fair play to you but so we we will record an extra pod after the Blackpool game and then unfortunately there will not be a pod following the QPR game as that's when uh, when my good friend mr george is away um and then we will be back to normal recording after the stoke city game and we'll probably might do a little bit of an extended one after the stoke game of kind of um a bit of a state of the union this is how we see things at the at this moment in time um because obviously that is the game before we go into the world cup so that's pretty much how the schedule's going to run so as i say midweek pod next week but my apologies that there will not be a pod uh, on the weekend after the, after the QPR game but you still get the same amount of pods um, if we if, if hearing our voice impacts your life enough that you have the desire for that so um, hopefully you, uh, we have something positive to talk about after Blackpool although if I'm perfectly honest I say that every week and it feels more and more hollow every time I say it but nonetheless keep the faith thanks for listening and of the baggies